Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yay, networks. I'm Molly Kimball. Welcome to Fueled, a wellness and nutrition podcast. I'm a registered dietitian and nutrition journalist with a passion to help people live their strongest, healthiest life possible. In my weekly TV segments and columns, there's a limited amount of time and space to cover everything, but there's so much more to share. This podcast is my opportunity to dive deeper into the topics you want to know about. So this week's podcast episode is about our Eat Fit cookbook and the backstory of bringing this passion of ours to life. So for those of, I think most of y'all listening, you know, I'm a registered dietitian. I do this podcast weekly, which I love as a way to really dive into different topics from nutritional health to physical movement, mental health, um, stress release, understanding a lot of why we do things and really kind of digging into a holistic approach to wellness on this podcast. My full-time job is with Oxner Health and I am a registered dietitian there at our fitness center. I've been there for just over 20 years and have started our Eat Fit Nutrition Program about um, seven years ago. And that's our nonprofit initiative. We work with restaurants across the state and we're actually expanding into the Mississippi Gulf Coast. But we work with all these restaurants, all these really talented chefs to incorporate nutritious options onto their menus. It's a nonprofit. We don't charge them to be a partner and we identify it on their menus with that Eat Fit seal. And beyond that, we do a ton of other things that you'll hear us talking about or have heard us talking about things like our alcohol free for 40 annual initiative, um, our king cake, which is our eat fit king cake that's in retailers every carnival season. So a lot of fun stuff, but that core work that we do is working with restaurants, working with chefs, uh, to identify existing dishes that fit our nutritional criteria or working with these chefs to create new dishes, or maybe combinations. So certain elements of one dish paired with other side items or a different sauce or something like that. So it was a natural fit for us to say, well, let's put together a cookbook. You know, we've done all this really cool work and created these beautiful dishes, these delicious dishes in restaurants. We could do a cookbook, but then it's also, that's a lot of time. And so this is where I wanted to share with y'all our official first ever Eat Fit cookbook hit the market last fall, October of 2019. So after one full year on the market, it's been really cool to see the reception of it, how the community has embraced it. We've seen it make its way into your kitchens across our state and beyond. We've had orders from Italy, from Australia for our cookbook. And so that's a really cool, beautiful thing to see it come to life. So I love when people text me photos of the dishes they make, they post it on social. Um, it's such a rewarding thing for us to see these dishes coming to life. So yes, we've got them in the cookbook. We have these styled photos that the chefs did, but seeing the, the way that we ourselves are making these and creating these and creating these beautiful dishes in our house is really cool. 
we had so much hard work to pull it together from our restaurants, our chefs, photographers, editors, interns, our team of dietitians, our retailers, our publishers, and everyone who worked with us on this. I am so grateful for your help. And so I thought for this podcast episode, I wanted to share with our listeners just really the backstory of bringing this passion of ours to life. So it, there was a big undertaking from pitching to dozens of publishers to learning how to style and shoot these magazine or really book quality food images. We learned so much along the way about staying positive, staying persistent, figuring out how to put together a truly quality book on a shoestring budget. And really, it all started with a question. And I want to share this with you all because I, I find it inspiring for us, for our team. And I hope that, you know, whatever project you have that's kind of marinating or whatever goal or aspiration you've got that's marinating, I want to share how we did this because I hope that it helps you with whatever's your big what if. So for us, it started with a question of what if. And I love that phrase, what if. It's something that I encourage my team of dietitians, our Eat Fit team, you know, throw it out there, like put out that what if. And sometimes people what if in a bad way, well, what if this happens and what if, and it is a worrisome what if. For us, it's a positive. It's a, what, what are the possibilities here? What if? And so for us, it was, what if we had a cookbook filled with all of our favorite Eat Fit dishes. And we tossed it around, marinated on it. And it was something that was kind of something I'd always been thinking of as Eat Fit grew. And we're, you know, we grew into more regions. We grew with more partners. And we've now got now almost 400 partners across all of our regions. But it was like, why, why wouldn't we? Well, the reason why not, a lot of it was I didn't know how to start. It was a giant project, a giant undertaking. And I knew I needed to make sure I had enough support for that and that I would be able to figure out how to carve out the time for that. So it started with this, what if, what if we had this cookbook filled with our favorite eat fit dishes? And like so many of the projects that come into our eat fit world, it really took a life of its own. And again, we thought, why not? It's, it just makes sense. We have these amazing recipes these interesting stories, these inspiring stories from these incredible chefs. And for me, that question of what if, like what if we had a cookbook and then thinking, well, why not? A lot of times when we have that, whatever that thing is that you're thinking about too, that, that project, that initiative, um, that goal, if you have that one person who believes in you and can say, that's an awesome idea and can really give you that that nudge, that encouragement, that push. So for me, that person was T. Martin. And T. Martin has actually joined us for this podcast before. T. is co-proprietor of Commander's Palace, you know, one of the top restaurants in the country, happens to be here in New Orleans, and was our first official Eat Fit partner. And T. is one of these just like forces of nature. Um, I don't think that T. even thinks anything is overwhelming. She doesn't seem to think that at least. And so to have her, you know, this very um, acclaimed, talented, accomplished person who's surrounded with all this talent in her kitchen and these, these amazing chefs, for her to say, man, you really need to pull this together and pull together a cookbook like this would be incredible. 
that helped to drive me. And it kind of just helped give that confidence that this little seed of an idea maybe could have some teeth. But there was still the issue for me of how would I pull this off? How would I pull it off on a shoestring budget, but also with limited time that I felt like I had. I needed really someone to help help me pull it together. So one of our long-term nutrition interns, Emily Eikoff, she had worked with us as a nutrition intern um, before college, during college, and she she knew us through and through for Eat Fit. She had worked with me on separate projects. Um, she had graduated with her degree in nutrition, and then she worked on her master's degree before she entered her dietetic internship. So as she was working on her master's for nutrition, she was still volunteering with us as an Eat Fit ambassador. And when it came time for her to do her year-long master's, essentially her capstone project for her master's degree, she said, I really want this to be something surrounded, you know, involving Eat Fit. She'd already worked with us in so many levels of Eat Fit. So she's like, what would be something different or impactful, um, special, something unique that was not something she had already done as part of her work over the past years with us? And so I was like, what if we did a cookbook? And she's like, oh my God, I think that would be a really cool thing. So she brought it to her advisors. And from their perspective, you know, a master's in public health, she was pulling together recipes, interviewing chefs. She was doing the recipe analysis, um, really pulling together a, an educational project. Um, we have a lot of chef, chef stories, also educational spreads, information we're putting through the cookbook. So it's, it's a cookbook, but it's also educational and informative. And so she got the green light from her advisors for this to be her, her master's capstone project, essentially. So then we thought, okay, once she got that approval, and I was like, all right, this is going to really start to come together. Our next thing was, you know, talking with our leadership team at Oxner and Cheryl Jackson is um, our VP of brand marketing at, at Oxner. And she is kind of like T. Martin. It's one of those people that just nothing phases her. Everything is, you know, she's just like super, um, she takes on really big projects and she doesn't get overwhelmed. And so she was like, yeah, like let's, let's do it. Let's, we're going to find a way to help, you know, push this through. So she was in support of it. Emily got it from her, her, um, advisors. So then, you know, we're, and we're talking now, the cookbook came out fall of 2019. So we're talking early 2018. So not quite two years in advance, but you know, almost, Emily and I kind of started to have the seed of an idea. So spring, we were like, okay, what does this look like? What does, what is this shaping up to look like? And so we have, um, as I mentioned, a lot of restaurants, a lot of chefs we've worked with. One of our chefs, Chef Carl Schubert, had worked at Commander's Palace, had worked at some of the other Commander's Palace families of re- family of restaurants, had his own restaurant, DTV, and he really was motivated to do a cookbook. Um, he really wanted to do an eat fit cookbook with us as well. And we've talked about Carl before on this podcast, but chef Carl had been diagnosed with cancer. He had, um, had what was thought to be a full recovery from it. And then it came back. And so at this point it was the second time it had come back and he was really in and out of feeling well. And so while we knew, okay, Chef Carl would love to do this whole cookbook, an eFit cookbook, and he would design all the recipes with us, we also knew while he wanted it, 
he had a lot of like his, his energy, his time was really limited. And so he had the want, but we knew he would want to bite it off as a project, but it was, it wouldn't have been fair to him and it would have been so much. So as it ended up, I think he still has, he definitely by far, I think has the most recipes in the cookbook, maybe nine of the 125 or Chef Carl's. Um, so we ended up having it a blend of Chef Carl's and about 40 Eat Fit partners all contributed to this cookbook. And then we said, okay, what's Emily's role going to be? She's essentially project manager of this. What's one of the biggest expenses of pulling together a cookbook? A writer, well, I'll do the bulk of the writing, but the photographer, that was another real big um, bulk of the expense. And so Emily, again, nutrition student, had her undergrad degree in nutrition. She's in school to do her master's in public health. She has since done her dietetic internship and Emily is now a registered dietitian. At the time though, 2018, she was kind of in the middle of all that. None of those um, credentials was photographer. In fact, she had never picked up or used a real camera in her life. Um, so she taught herself how to use one. She became adept with it. She asked for help. She asked you know, photographers to show her, guide her, and they generously did and gave their time to help give her the um, some insight into this. So Emily literally taught herself how to do this, and Emily did the vast majority of the photos in our cookbook. And if you haven't seen our Eat Fit cookbook and you flip through it, you would never think that these were done by a nutrition student um, who had no photography experience. Um, when people are flipping through, they're like, oh my gosh, the photos are so beautiful. They're so vivid. And so I'm really, really, really proud of Emily for stepping out of her comfort zone with that, um, educating herself on that, but becoming comfortable and taking a risk because she knew this was going to be a big, big project. So while I was taking the step out and saying, all right, let's do it. Let's push forward and let's, you know, start to pull together a cookbook. It was a big risk on her end to say, I'm pretty sure I can pull this off. I'm pretty sure I can do, I can take on the role of photographer for this as well. So she um, started, you know, reaching out to our restaurants, getting the stories, getting the recipes. And we kind of brainstormed with our whole Eat Fit team. What are some of our favorite recipes? So we cast a big net. We had about, we started with about 250 recipes and we made sure, okay, let's have some that are seafood, some that are meat-based, some that are vegetarian, vegan, um, a, a variety of different flavors, textures. You don't want to have all fish dishes and no beef dishes, or, you know, you don't want it to be a healthy cookbook that's just got a whole bunch of salads in it. You know, you want it to be a lot of other interesting things. So we kind of started to figure out what Emily's role was going to be. We started to pull together what our recipes would be. Um, and from there, we started to get a lot of the story built around it. So for Eat Fit, when we work with a restaurant to see, do these recipes fit? And is this dish going to get that eat fit seal of approval on menus? We need the ingredients, but we don't always have the full steps of the recipes. And we surely don't have the fully detailed steps to include in an actual cookbook. So we, while we had the ingredients for these dishes, we still had to go back to the chefs, get the steps, and then basically translate from chef speak to what the consumer would use. Because the way chefs talk and the way they talk about, you know, preparing something in their kitchens is very different than a lot of times how the home cook is going to be um, perceiving it, doing it, understanding, or how we would say it. Also, the measurements. A lot of these dishes, you know, were to 
make, you know, maybe 14 gallons of a soup or a sauce or a dressing. And so we really had to scale these down. So that was kind of our first step was, okay, wrapping our head around all of this stuff. As that was happening, you then have to say, okay, well, what do we, we need to start working on a proposal and start, you know, we're working on building out what this cookbook is going to look like, but we also need to start thinking about who's going to publish it. I didn't want to self-publish the cookbook. And so I didn't want to self-publish because that would mean we have to handle distribution 100%. And I could just like envision myself, you know, with cases of cookbooks and I have a Jeep and it's not always a watertight vehicle. So I was like, I could just see this, you know, I've got cases of wet cookbooks that are supposed to go to a bookstore. So I was like, I don't want to self-publish. I really want us to work with a publisher. That was something that I I, I knew. Um, I also didn't want it just to be an online cookbook, something that people would download. I really wanted it to be tangible, print, hard hardcover, you know, beautiful glossy pages. So we started to put together a proposal. Um, and our I was really fortunate that one of our PR writers at Ashner um, was given the green light to work with me on the proposal because that was something that I had a lot of the pieces of the cookbook, but to know how to weave that together into a proposal was like a barrier to me. So that's another thing that I'll say is that was one point where I asked for help because I knew I could pull together the content for the recipes. I could pull together a lot of this, but weaving this together into a proposal that would be um, captivating to a potential publisher to me felt like a giant barrier. So uh, Stafford, Stafford Scott is um, one of our PR writers and she worked with me to take my ideas and my words and really weave them together into this proposal. I'd like to take a minute to talk about one of our sponsors for this week's podcast, Headspace. So let's be honest, life can feel stressful even under normal circumstances, and 2020 has really been a challenge. We need stress relief that goes beyond quick fixes, and that's where Headspace can help. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. It is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. If you're feeling overwhelmed, there's a three-minute SOS meditation for you. If you need help falling asleep, Headspace has wind-down sessions that members swear by. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can help to reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase our overall sense of well-being. And I really like that Headspace gives us the option. It lets us pick what's our priority right now. It's really the most important thing. Is it focus? Is it reducing anxiety? And whatever we select, it has the tools to help guide us. So we all deserve to feel as happy as we possibly can. And Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash fueled. That's headspace.com slash fueled for a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash fueled today. T. Martin, who I mentioned earlier with Commanders, she was very generous through all of this. Um, 
She was one of my advisory board. My advisory board consisted of two people. One was T. Martin of Commander's Palace. The other is Alexis Corman um, of Big Easy Bucha. Alexis and her husband, Austin, own Big Easy Bucha, a kombucha brewery located here in New Orleans. But Alexis, before she got into the kombucha world, um, her first and, and still ongoing career, she's a writer. So she does, she writes for Food and Wine magazine, USA Today. She does all types of things. I mean, you would reach out to her for something and she'd be like in Italy covering a story. So Alexis is truly um, a very skilled and talented writer. So Alexis and T were my cookbook advisory board of two. And T was, you know, kind of walked me through the steps because she's done multiple cookbooks before for Commander's Palace. And so, you know, she's like, okay, you need to have your proposal. You need to talk with an agent. The agent is then going to take your proposal. They're going to shop it around to different publishers. Um, so I was like, okay, so we're working on the, on the proposal. All right. Um, an agent, I don't even know where to start with an agent. So she introduced us uh, to, or introduced me to Judith Weber, um, her agent that she's used in with multiple cookbooks to just talk through what the process looked like and that Judith might be able to suggest an agent um, or, or how to at least start to find someone to be an agent for us. So as I talked with Judith and explained to her what our project was, Judith offered to take us on as a client. So I was really grateful for that because, wow, okay, we've got a proposal coming together. We have someone who has taken us on. We now have an agent. This is tremendous. And so Judith, as that proposal was starting to come together, Judith really worked with us to help hone this proposal. And, you know, she knows what resonates with publishers. She knows what interests them, what doesn't, what's, you know, what what things are key elements to include or not include. So she really worked closely with us to hone this proposal. So as you're doing something like a book, you're working on this proposal, which is basically like your introduction. It breaks down your chapters, what your chapter names are going to be. It basically features an outline of the book. So it makes you think through all these elements. What are we going to call the chapters? Um, what, and even like you put together like a sample layout of what your vision is for what the book is going to look like on the page. Um, and so you kind of, you're, you're doing this. So you're really pulling together pieces of the cookbook even before the cookbook is written. So you're writing parts of it to go into the proposal. Meanwhile, we're still, okay, we've got 250 recipes that we really love and we want to include in here. Emily on separately, like in tandem is now working with the restaurants, getting the steps for these things, starting to schedule photo shoots with them, getting their backstories for any of these recipes. So those two things kind of happened in tandem. Emily, as project manager, starting to pull together that information and get these recipes, get that information that was lacking for some of these dishes. And then at the same time, we're pulling together this proposal. So as this is all coming together, we are hoping that we're going to end up having a publisher at some point. And Judith and her, her team, her agency submitted the proposal once it was at the point where Judith felt it was good and, and ready to be submitted. She submitted our proposal for the eat fit cookbook to publishing houses across the United States. I'd like to take a minute to talk about our sponsor for this week called Man Crates. So you've got your gift for your kids, your coworkers, your sister, check, check, and check. 
But what about the guys in your life that are always a challenge to buy for? This year, get them a gift from Man Crates. I love their Soak and Smoke Grill Crate with cedar wood planks, wood chips made of 100% hickory and oak, and a cast iron smoker box. There's also the Everest Grill Crate with a pink Himalayan sea salt block. There's a chef knife making kit or a hot sauce making kit. The personalization on these gifts is free and every Man Crate gift comes with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So he'll think it's awesome or Man Crates will make it right. And right now is their Black Friday mega sale. Get 20% off when you spend $149 or more at mancrates.com slash fueled. Plus get special doorbusters at ridiculously low prices. That's 20% off at mancrates.com slash fueled mancrates.com slash fueled. So now we're talking summer 2018. So, you know, spring into summer, we started to pull it together. It might've been late summer that, that we had it all together. And this, this proposal gets sent out over the coming like six weeks. Y'all we got, I got probably at least, I think I counted 33 replies, responses from these publishing houses and they would be forwarded to me from the agency, of course, because the agency was the one communicating with them. They would get the response back. They would forward it to me. So every time they would, I would see an email from the agency, I would excitedly open it like, oh, great. Is this going to be good news about a publisher who's, you know, wants our cookbook? And it was another decline. And we had about 33 letters of decline, emails or letters of decline for our cookbook. And they were so eloquently written. They were lovely. They would, most of them would note that they really loved the tone, the energy, the concept. Um, They loved the personality that was in this. They loved the feel of it, but that ultimately they felt like it was too much of a regional cookbook because most of the restaurants Uh, featured are in New Orleans. We do have them from all over the state, uh, Shreveport, Baton Rouge, Lafayette, um, et cetera. But they felt like even still, it was too regional for them as a national publishing house to pick it up. So it's like, okay, well then where do we go? We've, We've like literally every single one of them declined and that's incredibly discouraging. You know, you think, man, like we've, we've got this momentum going. We do think it's good. These people think it's good. They just think it's, it's not a national scope for their audience. So then I started looking at, okay, well, let's look and see what are some of our regional publishers. And I reached out to one in particular, River Road Press. And there is another local publisher, and I won't say the name of it, but the, the other local publisher that I was looking at, when I went to their website, it just wasn't very inviting. You, There wasn't a way that you could call them or email them or even just kind of have a, hey, I wanted to run this idea by you or even just talk to someone and say, hey, what does the process look like on your end? You communicated with your first level of communication was to send them a full letter outlining why you were reaching out to them, a full letter and then including your proposal and including a, you know, stamped self-addressed envelope to have it returned to you. And it just seemed like really off-putting to me and really a cold approach for something that's a very personal project. So 
I actually never even sent that letter to them or sent a proposal because I just thought, gosh, if that's, if there's this many layers of, um, to even get through (laughs) and it's that impersonal, I don't know if this is a, if that would be a fit. So River Road Press was the publisher is Scott Campbell. So I emailed, he emailed back shortly. We got on a phone call, we talked, he listened to it. He wasn't familiar really with what we do or, or, you know, he had never um, done a nutritious, a healthy cookbook. And it was just a different kind of a scope, but he was really intrigued. And so he asked a lot of questions. He looked through the proposal. He asked more questions. He asked a lot of questions about kind of our reach across the state and what our, our team does. And basically trying to understand how much would we be able to bring in a level of enthusiasm and support. And he was almost looking at it of, okay, I really like the idea of this project. Now let me assess Molly and her team with Eat Fit, her Oshner team to see, does this, do they have um, the substance that they can help spread the word basically and, and help with those marketing and PR efforts effectively um, once the cookbook is published. And so as he learned more and more about what we do, the impact we have, the reach that we have, he was like, all right, I want to do this. I want to take on publishing your cookbook. And I was like, tears, you know, so I was like, oh my gosh. So now, okay, we got our proposal done. We got submitted it. It was accepted by River Road Press. At that point, Judith, since she's an agent based out of New York and she works mostly with national companies, since this is a local publisher and who negotiated on very different terms than what she typically did, she said, you know what, I'm going to step out of this. He, he's a local publisher. It's best if y'all just kind of handle that on a one-to-one basis. Um, and so at that point, it was me and River Road Press and our, our support with our Ashner team to say, okay, what does this look like? How are we pulling this together? Let's talk for a minute about Billy, sponsor of this week's podcast and an Allure Best of Beauty winner. Billy has recreated everyday essentials by delivering premium razors and high-performing body care directly to you. Go to mybilly.com to get their starter kit for just $9. That includes their award-winning razor, two refill blades, and a magnetic holder that keeps your razor safe and dry between uses. And exciting news, they just launched new limited edition bundles of their best sellers for the first time ever. They make the perfect gift and come wrapped and ready. I love Billy's products and you will too. They leave our skin feeling so soft. And to express a little love for our show, go to mybilly.com slash fueled. It's a small way that you can support us while also getting the best razor you'll ever own. It's just $9 to get your starter kit plus free shipping always. Go to mybilly.com slash fueled. That's spelled mybilly.com slash fueled. So basically, we you know first came together with this idea early 2018. We got our proposal together, kind of got got the green light from who we needed to get the green light from throughout, you know, spring into summer we got our proposal together. And now by fall, that proposal has been accepted. Our publisher is River Road Press. So it was um quick. I I think a lot of times I know that sometimes this process takes years for a lot of people. For some people, it's even faster than ours was. But from the idea being solidified in early 2018 to having this publisher established by, you know, fall of 2018, in hindsight, it was a pretty fast turnaround for us. One of the first things 
our publisher talked about was like, what's, what's the size? What's the scope of the book? So I found different books that I really liked. I liked the look of a square book versus a rectangle book. And I liked it a big kind of oversized. So was it going to be, you know, eight by eight, 10 by 10? We ultimately ended up, you know, just around like nine by nine and how many pages and how many recipes. So once he talked through how many pages it could be, that made me realize, wow, we need to cut from about 250 recipes that we thought we would have to maybe 125. So that was a big challenge, you know, because we loved all these recipes. So to have to make the cut on on these was a big, big, um, we didn't love it. <laughs> so there's there's a lot that we loved that we weren't able to include. And really, if there was something that was maybe two that kind of were a little bit similar, then we would have to pull one or the other. So we made the cut to that 125. And one of the things that T. Martin was really emphatic about from the beginning, number one, proposal. Number two, you got to get yourself an agent. Number three, every single recipe must be tested by real people in their homes, like has to be. She said, this cookbook cannot go out unless every single recipe has been touched and tested by real people. And I was like, oh my gosh, how do we pull that off also? Because again, all of this that I'm telling y'all has been really without a budget so far. So I didn't have a budget that was like, oh, we've got, you know, $5,000 that we can cover for ingredients for recipe testers, or we've got these people that were paying to do recipe testing or reimbursing or whatever. We didn't have that kind of a budget. We didn't have a budget to say we can pay a photographer or a writer or anything. So everything we've done up until this point, or actually through this, all of this, was essentially with zero, zero budget. So how do we do recipe testing of every single recipe in there without a budget? So as the recipes started to um, take shape, as we scaled them from serving 100 or whatever it might be to serving four to eight, as we ran them, so we would do this. So we'd get the, the chef's recipes that serve, let's say, 100. We would scale it back, okay, to what would make it be serves four to eight. We would give it back to the chef. Hey, can you take a look at this? Does this look like it was scaled down properly? And then they would make edits as they saw fit and back and forth, back and forth. So once we got those to a point where we thought it was, it was pretty solidified, um, we got all those recipes. We put out a call basically to who would like to be a recipe tester, basically a volunteer recipe tester. So volunteer recipe tester, meaning they volunteered their time and they weren't reimbursed for their time and they weren't reimbursed for their ingredients. Um, but it was a fun project for them to do. So I'm really, really grateful to all these people who did recipe testing. So we gave them very specific kind of instructions um, they took notes, they gave us feedback, they caught errors in the recipes, they took photos along the way so that we could see what the steps looked like. If so, if they were telling us something, we could really almost try to be there while they were doing it. Um, visually, even though we weren't there with them, we could still see kind of what they were talking about. And then we were able to see the final product, how they plated it up, what they were reading in that recipe and how it, how it translated to what ended up on their plate. Um, and so that was an invaluable recommendation from T because no matter what these recipes that were prepared by chefs in the commercial kitchens and the restaurants versus uh, someone doing it in their home without the previous, the prior knowledge that those chefs have, they don't know 
some of these things that are just like innate that the chef already has in their head. So that was huge. So we were able to successfully have every single recipe in the cookbook tested and got the feedback, uh, made those edits, you know, pull, started to pull this together. So along the way, Emily, you know, so now we are started to do recipe testing like towards the end of 2018. Emily, at this point, we had pulled together these recipes. We knew the 125 that we we're going to do. Emily had already started doing some of the photo shoots with these. And we used a, what's called a light box. So if you're not familiar with a light box, it's just basically a 16 by 16 inch cube. And it's this plastic white box that has little LED lights running all around it. And it allows you to control the light. It just kind of whites out everything. So you have your dish and you don't see any stop or start of the white. It's just, you know, white around it. It's good because it just gives that dish and there's not a lot of room for error. And there's, it gives you a lot of control over lighting angles. You know, you're not having to deal with any of the normal outside circumstances that you would have with, with photos. So Brad and I, you know, we have a layover. We're in an airport and we're passing the time in one of the bookstores there. And we start flipping through and we're flipping through, you know, these beautiful cookbooks. Um, Joanna Gaines, who has this, you know, famous restaurant called Magnolia. Um, Joanna Gaines also has like one of the HGTV type TV shows kind of one of those people that like everything she touches just is like beautiful. Um, So we're flipping through the Joanna Gaines cookbook. We're flipping through a Martha Stewart or a Reese Witherspoon cookbook. And they're just gorgeous. And so Brad's looking and he's like, oh man, y'all need to do things like this. And so he's flipping through the photos and he's like, but you know, Molly, like, look, they all kind of have a kind of a similar similar formula. He's like, there's some sort of cool texture in the background. Like it might be, you know, a cement looking table or some sort of cool wooden texture. There's some cool texture in there. Then there was some cool linen, you know, whether it was a napkin or whatever kind of fabric or crumpled fabric or a table runner in the background. There was some sort of a, an interesting fabric or pattern or linen with whatever texture of the table or the plates or the cutting board it was on. And then maybe there was some utensils that were kind of like casually placed. And, you know, there might be a little bit of crumb from whatever the food was or a slice of it, you know, I'm showing a lot of life and these real um, living and action type photos of it and showing it really in the place. And he's looking and he just keeps going on and on about why each of these photos is so phenomenal and kind of seeing this pattern of um, the same, the same type of like formula going into what makes a beautiful photo. And then he looks at me and I am just like, Oh my gosh, because up until this point, I was like, well, we can do light box because that gives us just that pure white background. It gives us this vivid image of the dish and it's really cool looking. And so I pull out my, my iPhone and I pull up the Google Drive that we've got, the shared drive that we have them in so far, and I'm showing him what we have. And he's like, oh, no. Those are fine for some. And this is Brad who, how many cookbacks has he done? You know, Of course, none. But he was completely right. And he's like, no, you can't have them all be like that. He said, if it's some like that, yeah, that's fine. But you really, like, you, like, and he's looking at me like I've lost my mind. He's like, how did you not 
already have this planned to have this these types of shoots styled and have your have the food like this but i'm like these people that we just said i mean these brands they're not even just people putting these cookbooks together it's brands and you know they may have a budget of $90,000 to cover the food stylists and the photographers and all the people who are bringing these photo shoots together. I mean, these are huge productions. And I'm thinking, this is Emily and me. Like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to accomplish this? And so I was like, kind of I had a panic and I thought, he is, but he's right. He's absolutely right that we need to bring the lifestyle into it. We need to bring that personality into it. Um, and so I sent like an SOS message to Emily, you know, let's hold off on scheduling any more of the photos. You know, I'll be, when I got back in town said, okay, let's talk and then let's figure out how are we going to do this on our budget? Like, what are we going to do? So we were able to do it. And as again, if you flip through the cookbook, I think you'll see. So we, when I got back in town, we got together. And so I started joining her on the shoots for as many as I could, because I realized if it's in a light box, she's got that all day long because she can just play with it. She can get every angle. She can be very comfortable with it. But when we want to do it in a restaurant setting and we want to bring in these colors and these linens and these textures, even just the two of us doing it is really not enough. It just really helps to have multiple eyes, multiple ideas, pulling this together. So we, we started getting and pulling together a whole bunch of just really cool linens and really just going to places like world market and buying cool, you know, one of every different type of patterned napkin and different kind of flatware that was just really cool looking and stuff that just gave some different and interesting textures that we could put into the into the shot um, underneath or behind or with these dishes. Because even if you're in a restaurant, a lot of times the restaurant, maybe other areas, uh, other aspects of the restaurant, there's a lot of ambiance, but sometimes on the table itself or what's immediately there is just not so great. Like it's not what you would want in a cookbook photo. So we were able to bring these things and kind of descend onto the restaurants and, and surround these dishes with these other elements to really bring that to life. So I was, it was kind of a panic mode, um, that December of 2018, as it came to, wow, what, if, if we go light box route the whole way, it would just look so stark and so sterile and nothing like these beautiful, colorful, life filled images I was looking at. So, um, I had, you know, it was one of those where I didn't like that information that was coming to me because it wasn't what we were planning, but I had to like realize this is, he's right. This is good information to hear. And we have to change our course. We have to change our approach. We've got to change our game plan for this and we'll be able to figure out a way to, yeah, it's not going to look is not going to look like Joanna Gaines or Reese Witherspoon's or Martha Stewart's because we don't have such a team of stylists, but we can really do the best possible that we can with the resources we have. And so I'm, I'm, I do feel that we were able to learn that, pull that together. What I'll also say is that, you know, there was a lot of trial and error. It was a lot of learning as we went. Um, it was both Emily and I acknowledging that we don't know this. This is not our world, 
but we're going to figure it out. And we would look and we would study these images and see what types of angles are these or what types of what, it, what about these photos makes us love them so much? And now with these types of dishes, how can we recreate something that is similar? Um, one thing that's probably really big difference is that, you know, if it was a professional photographer doing these shoots, they may take 100 photos and get five really good ones. They may take 50 photos, get five really good ones, and then that one really great one. We probably took 500 photos and then we would narrow it down to five really, really good ones. And then that one really great one. So we ended up with those really, really great photos. We just had to do a lot, lot more um, than I think definitely someone who really knows what they're doing on this. But I'll say again, I'm just really, really proud of Emily for taking that leap and you know trusting that she could do this. And I think she did an incredible job with it. So I think if you can flip through the cookbook and I think you will agree. Um, so props to her on that. So also one of the things that we benefited from is when we were doing the shoots at the restaurants, of course, you have the benefit of the chef being there to help you quote style it. So that was really good. Some of them on our, we had to do completely on our own. A lot of the drinks, which we call that chapter sip and our salad dressings and sauces, which we call drizzle, we did do those all ourselves. And so we did those in one of our homes. Um, our intern turned Eat Fit Nola nutritionist, Jayla Lockhart, was integral in helping with that. We also had one of our other ambassadors, Katie Joe. But at the time, Jayla was an intern with Katie Joe. And so they, you know, they helped prep and slice and garnish and do all the other stuff. And even with things like salad dressings, we got all different types of shapes of bottles and different colors and textures and different ways, like let's pour some and let's get the photo while we're actually pouring it and stuff like that. So um, there's just a lot behind that. Also, as it comes to photography, um, we work with our Eat Fit team works with a photographer named Teddy Taylor, and she does a lot of our team photos. She does a lot of our Eat Fit king cake photos. Um, she's just kind of our go to for our Eat Fit photography needs. She does events for us. Um, but again, we didn't really have a budget to pay for a photographer, period. But Teddy did come in and really gave us a really good deal. And she came in to be our photography expert when we needed to make sure that it was perfect and we could not ask for a redo. So Leah Chase, for example, is one of our chefs featured in the cookbook. Leah Chase passed away actually shortly after our interview and photo shoot with her. And if you aren't familiar with Leah Chase, she is an icon in the New Orleans community and she was, it's just, it was an honor to even be there with her and to have the opportunity to interview her for this and to have to photograph with her for this. And so that's one that we were like, Emily said, I, she just was like, I don't, she didn't want the pressure of all that, you know, because again, you don't want to ask twice to go get photos of Leah Chase. So some of those that we just were like, we absolutely do not want to have to ask for a redo and we want to make sure we've got it on this first go. Um, Teddy Taylor came in and saved the day on that. Um, so that all is kind of the backstory of the photography part. Truly, it has it was a village bringing it together. So our, our nutrition team, our team of dietitians at the fitness center 
and our Eat Fit team really worked closely on doing the nutrition analysis of every recipe. As things will get tweaked or edited by a chef, we have to redo those those things. But the nutrition analysis, the claims, is it low carb, is it gluten-free, is it vegan, vegetarian, um, proofing all of the analyses, doing the formatting. We have a very specific formatting that our Eat Fit team uses. We follow the formatting guidelines of Judy Walker. So Judy Walker is the recipe writer for NOLA.com, the New Orleans advocate. And I worked with her for years at the Times-Picayune. And she um, has a very specific and very polished way of doing recipe formatting. And so we call it the Judy Walker um, school of recipe formatting that we all have attended now. And so we use her formatting. So all of the cookbook is formatted per Judy Walker protocol. So that all started to come together. So now, late spring 2019, we've got our recipes narrowed down. We've got the recipes formatted, edited, the nutrition analysis of them. We've got the photos that have now come together that Emily has done, that Teddy Taylor has helped with. So this has all now come together. So we have all these pieces together. The pieces all go into the hands of our editor, Lindsay Reynolds, um, who's the editor for River Road Press. She'd review, edit it, get back to me. I'd get back with her. We'd go back and forth. She'd send it to the layout designer. The layout designer then says, what does this page look like? So he puts it out and looks at the font, the color, how's it arranged on the page. And so that started to take shape. And then it came to the cover photo. They're like, okay, so the inside of the cookbook is starting to really come together. Now what's going to be on the cover? Emily and I tried that photo. Teddy and I tried that photo. This was the maybe the biggest challenge of the entire cookbook project. How do you capture the essence of New Orleans, the food and the dish, and then the personality? Because they, you know, between the publisher, Cheryl with Ashner, we decided, should I be on the cover? Should I not be on the cover? And that kind of was one of those, like, I wasn't really comfortable with it, but then I did feel like, well, yeah, it does kind of make sense. But it was, it was a weird thing to say, okay, I'm going to be on the cover of this cookbook. How do we capture that and the food, the dish? in a way that's cover worthy, that also represents New Orleans and these Louisiana chefs. So again, there's no stylist team for the food. There's no stylist team for Molly. So we're just trying to pull it together. And it was something that Emily and Teddy and I tried and tried. We weren't able to get it. Um, I also loved because when I would like, you know, woe is me, we're having a hard time getting the cover photo of the cookbook. I had several people, many people who would say, well, I mean, just can't you just hire like a, a stylist and someone who would help you do like a location scout and style the food and you know and I was like that would be fantastic but we don't there's no way like we don't have we don't have the resources for that so we've got to figure it out so in my pottery studio there's a woman named Sonia Savio and she's a very very talented photographer her husband's a graphic designer and she hears me talking she offers to help me with this photo and I was like Sonia I would love that, but I didn't really know her that well. I felt really bad accepting an offer for her to do something pro bono. So after several, like, you know, several times of another round of us trying photos and it just wasn't, just wasn't right. There were beautiful photos. A lot of them were really fantastic. They just weren't what you would say is like the cover of a cookbook. So finally she said, Molly, and she was like really firm with me. She's like, look, I've offered this. I've offered it multiple times and I'm telling you, you need to listen to me. You need to let me help you. I can help you with this. Please accept my offer. 
And so I was like, okay. So she really walked me through and educated me about the anatomy of a cookbook cover in a way that I never really thought about it. She and her husband had pulled together kind of like a little bit of a a library of different covers. And she pointed out that, you know, the, the star of the cover for some, in some cases for a cookbook, it is just the food. One dish is like the central component. It's like the, the main feature of that cover. Or it could be the font, it could be the title, the design, the way the words are written in a really, you know, the big way across the cover of the cookbook, maybe just the words, the font, the design of those words, that is the star of the cover, or it can be a person. And so, or it can be a blend of these. So she kind of walked me through how to look at this and, and what did we want? Um, How did we want to arrange the composition of this photo? So then we tried different photos. We went um, into the Maroney, into the Bywater, trying some different types of photos with some different types of foods, but not one of the dishes. And so the editor was like, no, we really need to have one of the dishes from the book. So I chose a tuna tostado that is in our cookbook. It's um, one of Chef Carl's dishes. And I chose it because the colors are like really, really vibrant in it. And we also chose the Maroney and the Bywater area because of those really vibrant colors in the neighborhood and the, and the buildings. And as luck would have it, one of our um, interns that we had only for two weeks from our Tulane Dietetic Internship Program, she actually had food styling experience. And she knew how to take the tuna that looked really pretty in real life, but then when you would photograph it, it just kind of would look a little dull. And there's like these special food paints. And so she was painting the tuna to be a redder tuna. She was painting things like, you know, the making the yellows more yellow, the reds more red, the greens more green. And she helped style it and kind of build it up in the plate. So we were really fortunate for that. Our dietitian, Lauren Hewlin, who's over at Ashner Fitness Center, she's um, a former sensation. So she came over, she helped me with hair, with makeup. And we got, you know, we just went down there and we went and found a bunch of different buildings that we liked the shutters, we liked the vibe of it. And we just took so many photos holding this plate of tuna tostado and refreshing it every once in a while and getting as many photos as we could and, you know, dealing with the things that happen as you or on the street holding a plate of tuna, smiling and tossing her hair. And so we finally, though, got that photo, that di- that photo, and we landed on it. And so um, as we went through, it kind of was the one that hit a bunch of people, like, okay, that's it, you know, getting people's outside opinion. So once we landed on the photo that really we all kind of thought, okay, this is this could be it, Sonia's husband, I mentioned, was a graphic designer, so he designed the cover, and it was great because he was able to work organically with his wife and basically work to work with the elements of the photo that, she, as she saw it, of where the type could go for the photo and where other things could go on the cover of it um, in and around the photo that she had taken. So it was really, really cool. So at this point, we're all set. It's headed to the printer, and now it's summer of 2019, so it's you know, essentially one year um, that we'd been working on this project. The entire thing is like signed, sealed, done, headed to the printer. Then like literally mm, 36 hours before the printer was going to be printing the print run for the cookbook, we had an issue with the back cover and our publisher reached out to me and said, hey, there's this issue 
and we need it to be fixed. We need to have the back cover done in a different way like this. And we need it within the next 24 hours. And I happened to be out of town. We were out of the country and the solution that he had provided for that back cover was not a viable option for me. It was not something that I wanted at all to be. Um, it was the spine of the book and the back cover. And unless I was able to have this solved ASAP, his default that he was going to have to use as a solution was not something that was acceptable to me at all. And so it was a panic. It was one of those moments where, oh my gosh, the cover is great, but the spine and the back of the cookbook, of course you want that to look really good. And we'd put so much into everything else that at this 11th hour, right before it's supposed to go to the printer to have this issue come up was like, oh man, I was out of the country. Sonia and her husband who had worked on the cover with us, they were out of town for a huge project. I knew our Oshner designer couldn't do such a fast turnaround. So I did another SOS call. I reached out to a friend of mine, Matt, uh, Matt Vermeulen, his wife, is actually a law partner of my husband's. And Matt is a designer. And he had given me some insight and guidance along the way of layout for the interior of the cookbook. So he knew what the page design looked like. He had had a lot of influence on what the page design looks like inside of the cookbook. I had also run by him the cover. And he had given, you know, he was, so he knew kind of all these elements. And at the 11th hour, I just, I really said, I, I messaged him, what was late one night here. And he said, yeah, let me carve out some time. And within 12 hours, he, I had the information that needed to go in the back, of course, didn't have the skill and he was able to have it and have it in the format that the publisher and the printer needed. And he had it well within the timeline that we needed it. So it was able to go to the printer and have the spine and the back be as beautiful as what the front was. And so it was, again, one of those things, like when we say it takes a village, it takes a village. And all these people were really generous with their time, with their talents, and truly helped us bring together because there's an element that, you know, there's parts of it that I know and I do and I could contribute to, but there was a huge amount of it that was completely out of my control. I had no, no skill in those areas and really having to turn to people to help us pull this together. So that was incredible. Um, on the same note, one of the things I realized was as I was, so all the recipes, when you're writing the intro to the recipes and, you know, there's the recipe name, but then there's a little intro. There's a few sentences about that dish. And we also have in there tips, like we have chef tips and we have little did you know tips and little by the way kind of sidebars. And what I found was when you have 125 recipes, it was really hard for me to make them all sound different and have those intros all sound different. I felt like I was starting them with the same phrases. So I was really grateful that our Ashner leadership team and our fitness center leadership team did give me a, a bit of a budget to ask a, um, a freelance writer who I'd had some experience with before to come in and help with that. Um, Stafford, who had helped with the proposal, was not able to, she was on a separate project and didn't have the time to dedicate to it. But um, we had our writer named Tammy who worked with me on that to help take, okay, here's my words, but gosh, I'm sounding the same as I did for that dish and that dish. I'm starting it with the same few words, same phrases. So she was able to really keep it fresh, keep it kind of poppy in the, um, in the way that it was all 
phrased in there. So all of that pulled together. So I think um, as I'm looking at our, our time marker on this podcast too, we're almost an hour in and that's just me telling you <laughs> the, the summary of it. So I, I, I love and I, I think it's a fun kind of hearing the backstory. It's maybe sometimes unexpected for what you think something would be um, of how something comes together. It's when we say it's grassroots though, I think y'all hearing this, it is truly grassroots. It is um, our Eat Fit initiative and our Eat Fit team. We do a lot of things that we have no idea how to do it. We're not even sure, quite sure sometimes just what we've committed to when we might agree to something. But when we feel like something is organically the right fit and it just is a natural fit and it's something that we feel passionate about doing, we're going to figure it out. And that's really what happened with our cookbook here. So then our cookbook goes to the printer, you know, summer of 2018. It is released fall of 2019. Um, we have a book lunch party. Um, our friends over at Swerve Sweetener, they have a huge influence on our dessert chapter, which is called Indulge in the Cookbook. Um, but Swerve really connected us with the venue for it. So James and Mary Carville are a very fun couple. They're a political, um, politically famous couple, I should say, that lives here in New Orleans. They have a gorgeous home. They offered up their home for our launch party. We had nearly 200 people at the launch party. A blast. Um, Swerve served desserts from the cookbook. Commander's Palace, Blue Line Sandwich Company, DTB featured their dishes. One thing I will say that was a sad note along the way, I mentioned Chef Carl um, who early on we thought, man, he really wants to do a cookbook of all eat fit. But we also knew it would be a challenge um, with his health, with battling cancer. And when we got the preview copy of our cookbook, um, which we got in September, um, before we got the full print run in October of 2019, when we got it in September, it was the day, the same day that Carl passed away. So I got a text from his wife. I opened my phone up and I had a bunch of texts that showed up. One was a thread from his wife, Alex, telling me that Carl had passed away. The very next text was from our publisher saying, hey, your preview copy is here. And that was a really hard thing because Carl was really excited about the cookbook. He had rallied um, one of those days on those photo shoots that Emily did he had rallied and he did all nine dishes. He got into DTB, he prepared them, plated them up. He had assistance from his sous chefs there and he, he pulled it together and had these gorgeous dishes made, styled to be photographed for the cookbook. And so he, he didn't have a cookbook of his own. It was like a dream of his to have. And so the fact that he wasn't able to see it all come together and see the final product was something that really made us all it hurts and it, you know, it's, it, we wish really that he could have seen it. So that was one of those very bittersweet, um, you know, chances of timing. Um, but then the next month, like I said, we were able to have the launch party, his restaurant DTB was represented there. They, uh, did that tuna tostado that we talked about, um, and served that up. So the launch party was a really, it was really, really special I think anyone would think if they have a book and it comes out and there you have the launch party, I think most people would feel that way, that it's a very special event. For me, it was just the culmination of 
again, all these people throughout our community who had really pulled together and helped us pull this off. And given their time, given their passion, um, just devoted so much to, they believed in this project with me and they helped me see it um, to fruition. And so to have those people and so much of our community um, there to celebrate the launch of this was just a really, really cool, special thing. And then from there, you know, the past year that now it's been in stores for a year, it's been in retailers for a year. And to have the past year where people are telling me what they're making there during quarantine, we got so many texts of people who were like, okay, we have to cook. We can't go out. We're making these things from the, from the cookbook and sending me dishes. So it was, um, it's been a really, really rewarding thing. And so every bit that went into it, that was us learning and figuring it out and pulling all this together has been every bit of rewarding as, as the result of it. Um, I wanted to tell you also it's at retailers across the Gulf South, across Louisiana into Mississippi. And of course we have our website is eatfitcookbook.com and our eat fit team is offering a discount at 20% off. So if it's eat fit gift, G I F T is the promo code through the end of the year, through the end of 2020 for 20% off. Um, all proceeds from the cookbook benefits our Ashner Eat Fit nonprofit initiative. And one of the things that I think is really a fun gift idea is if you are going to gift the cookbook for a holiday gift, including some of the key ingredients to make one of the dishes is also really cool. That can kind of just make it a little bit more substance and kind of put that thought into it. Um, I get the question a lot of like, what's my favorite dish in it? And of course, all. We had 250 favorites and we had to cut it to this 125. So I don't really have one that I would say is my favorite, but I do have one that I definitely would say I make the most often. And that is the Eat Fit uh, Salted Dark Chocolate Peanut Butter Cups. And I make them with almond butter. You can make them with any kind of nut butter, but we make those all the time. I have those in my fridge. It's my husband's favorite. Um, another one that is one of my favorites, Dakota has a wilted kale and cauliflower risotto with Parmigiana Reggiano. I love that as a side dish. I also love it as a holiday side um, because you can make a bigger batch of it and just have it as one of your side dishes there. Another that is, I think, surprisingly easy for how fancy it looks is Dickie Brennan's crab cakes. So they're this they're crab cakes that have no filler. They don't have any flour or any filler. And you use a little bit of a it's like a ring mold to kind of help shape them. But it's a really fancy dish, but it's a really simple dish to make. And but so there's there's so much in there. But every single dish in the cookbook is my favorite, which is why we included them in there. But I love that there's so many different flavors, textures, there's different levels of skill involved. Um, I will say the recipes by Chef Tori McPhail, um, Commander's Palace executive chef, up until actually just this week. This week as I'm recording this podcast, um, the official transition, he is leaving Commander's Palace. He is moving up north, um, going to be closer to family. And Meg Bickford is uh, our new executive chef at Commander's Palace. Interestingly, a lot of the recipes from Commander's Palace are our chef Tories. 
One of them though, we have, it's a crawfish quiche. We actually have Meg, um, like a little, it's a six photo collage of Meg doing the build of the quiche. So um, you can see Commander's new executive chef, Meg Bickford in our cookbook, um, even before she was executive chef. But point being, Chef Tori's recipes, he has a, a salmon dish that is absolutely spectacular. Um, there's another one, there's several dishes. There's a drum dish, but the um, his are not for the faint of heart. That is, there's a, they are every bit that you would expect a, a, a chef um, of his caliber to create these dishes. And then there's some that are really, like I said, the Dickie Brennan's Crab Cakes looks and seems really, really fancy, but it's a very simple one. So anyway, I hope that you have enjoyed hearing this backstory of, of our passion project of, of how the Eat Fit cookbook has come to life. Um, if you have tried some of the recipes or you've had an experience with it, of course, I want to hear about it. Tell me. But I really appreciate you joining me to hear about this journey, our labor of love, this collaboration of our entire team and our community. And it's a project that is special to me, something that I'm proud of, and I'm incredibly grateful to have even had the opportunity to pull this together. So if you have it or you've browsed through it, um, or especially if you've tried one of the recipes, tell me. I always love hearing from you guys. And as I said earlier, seeing the recipes come to life in your kitchens is one of the coolest things ever. If you do post on social, tag Eat Fit Nola and also tag me, Molly Kimball RD. And I'll include the link to the cookbook and the show notes of this episode. I'll also include that promo code, um, Eat Fit Gift, that's good through the end of 2020. And I hope that you've enjoyed this. So I am registered dietitian Molly Kimball, and you've been listening to Fueled Wellness and Nutrition, the podcast. If you would like more Fueled Wellness and Nutrition, please head over to mollykimball.com and you can follow me, Molly Kimball RD, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another dose of Fueled Wellness and Nutrition. Thanks for listening and stay focused on living your strongest, healthiest life. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.